Thanks for joining us today on Geezers of Gear. Today's podcast is brought to you by ACT Lighting. ACT is North America's leading distributor and manufacturer of entertainment technology products with award-winning brands, including MA Lighting, Ayrton, Chainmaster, Luxie Bell, AC Power, Robert Juliet, Zach Track, and MDG, as well as cable and interconnect solutions from Rapco Horizon, Proco, and Roadhog for virtually any audio, video, data, or power distribution need. ACT employs amazing team members who are each dedicated to providing exemplary service and support while ensuring the show goes on by maintaining inventory and 24-7, 365 technical expertise in nine locations throughout the United States, Canada, and Mexico. Visit actlighting.com for more information. Well, hello and welcome to Geezers of Gear, episode number 117. And so today I have a very different and unusual and fun and exciting episode in store for you today because I have decided to bring on the gentleman who I kind of co-founded this interesting little uh, movement, revolution, idea, thought, uh, whatever you want to call it. But we created something um, which is called Red Alert Restart, which falls under this this banner, which is We Make Events that came from England. And I don't want to get too much into it because I want to actually have that conversation with him. So please welcome Mr. Brad Nelms. Hi, Marcel. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate the opportunity. No, thank you for coming on. And so, uh, you know, it's been a whirlwind, what, all of 11 days now? I think so. It seems like it's been about three months, but I think 11 <laughs> days is the right number. Yeah. So, you know, I wanted to just kind of sit down with you and, and I know I've been talking to a lot of people about it and you've been on a couple of podcasts talking to people about it, but I actually wanted sort of the two guys who, who you know, got this thing going and, and really have wound it up and led this charge forward for the last 11 days uh, into what it's become today. But I wanted the two of us to sit down and just kind of talk about it a little bit and go over it. And first and foremost, though, you know, one of the questions that I've been asked the most, which is kind of a funny question, is who the hell is Brad Nelms? And so you, you'd be amazed how many people uh, who are now our regional directors or designers who are involved with this thing or um, just lots of people who have gotten involved with this have actually reached out to me and said, who is this guy, Brad Nelms? And, you know, I don't think I know him. I, I, I really, you know, he seems like a nice guy, but who is he? And so who are you? Yeah, it's a, it's a funny kind of question and exactly that. I've been in the industry for uh, many years, like, uh, like most of us have. So 
Uh, I started immediately out of college uh, on the sales integration side of things. So I've been a gear guy for my career, um, dealing with system integration and installation, um, Uh everything from a field service tech to project manager, sales, sales management. Um, You know, my, my more notable uh, positions where people might have seen my name previously were uh, I was the Eastern Regional Sales Manager for Systems at Four Wall out of Nashville for several years, and I uh, then moved to VER, and I started their used gear program, uh, and then my my immediately previous position was as the Western Regional Sales Manager for ACT, uh, right. and uh, unfortunately got laid off, was included in those that were laid off uh, due to COVID. So I feel the challenges that, that so many people have out there. Of course. Uh, but yeah, I'm not a, I've never been a, a rock and roll production touring guy. Um, that's not my background. So I'm not as well known or connected in the right. designer right. and the rock star world, yeah. um, but certainly been around and, and know the gear and the people and, and pretty well in the architectural world. Yeah. So, you know, I got to know you when you were uh, with VER and of course VER and, and you did business with me and GearSource for uh, the entire time you were at VER. So we developed quite a good relationship and I always, uh, my entire company actually really appreciated you and the way that you did business and just that you're, you've always been a really authentic, really straight shooting guy who always does what you say you're going to do and that kind of thing. So I've, I've been a fan of, of yours since we first started dealing together at VER. And then of course, when you went to act, not as much uh, interaction, you know, on direct business because you were a re- Western regional and we're in the East typically uh, handled by the Eastern regional for those companies. But, um, but you know, you and I stayed in contact and, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, I've, I've known who you were for a number of years now, but like you said, because you're not in the touring business or you didn't really come from that business, uh, you know, I guess other than the access you got through ACT with the, you know, the MA stuff and Ayrton, uh, which would have given you great exposure into that business. Yeah, I definitely, uh, I had a lot more to do with moving lights at my time at ACT than ever before in my career. Most of my time has been uh, uh, with control systems and with, you know, LED house lights and architectural installations and lighting the outsides of buildings and right. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, is arguably less interesting, but yeah. So, uh, you know, I wanted to take everyone to kind of the moment that, that this whole thing started and then we can kind of talk about how it became, what it became, what it is, all of that kind of stuff. So we were on a zoom call. Um, for those of you who don't know, I, I think most people who listen to this know, but we do a weekly, uh, zoom call, that I started 22 weeks ago, I think now, at the beginning of COVID. And and really, it was an idea that I ripped off. So someone in the franchising world came to me and said, hey, why don't you join our virtual happy hour today? And I said, virtual happy hour? What the hell is that? And he said, oh, well, you just, you kind of come on and we're all having drinks and we just sit around and talk on Zoom because we can't get together because we're locked down. And I said, oh, well, that sounds fun. I'll try that. And there were about maybe 10 people on there or 12 people and they were really nice people. And, and, um, it was fun and I had a glass of wine and, and enjoyed it for an hour or whatever. And I thought, you know what, I want to do this with the people in my industry because they're much more fun and there's a lot of stuff to talk about. And, and, you know, lo and behold, it kind of took off and, and we now get 70, 80 people, uh, 
every week. And I'm guessing this week is going to be actually a little bigger. But um, so we were on one of those Zoom calls. And uh, do you remember what happened? Yeah, well, first of all, I, I just think it's so interesting. You know, you mentioned the, the Zoom call difference between industry and non-industry. I think, um, you know, what made this a unique situation was that call is largely attended by some pretty prominent people in the lighting world. So, um, you know, it's a lot of designers and, and production uh, company people and uh, various elements, but all largely lighting, I think, or people from the lighting background. So, you know, we were all uh, hanging out and chatting and talking about why, why doesn't anybody do this in, in the U S and, uh, I think it, it kind of was almost a light bulb moment where we said, well, if there's anybody that can do this in the U S it's the people on this call. So yeah. why don't we just do it? Right. Um, <laughs> right. and, and we did. So, yeah. Uh, well, so I just kind of said, okay, look, if, if we're going to do this, number one, we have to do it big. You know, if, if they can do 715 buildings in the UK, let's target doing 1500. So let's look at the viability of whether or not we think we could even pull together that kind of a group. And um, secondly, you know, what's involved and how complicated is it and how much work is it? And so I said, OK, first, first and foremost, I think we need to put a committee together. And there needs to be, and I'm not a committee guy, by the way, you know, I, I've never been a huge fan of committees, but in this particular case, it's been a godsend. Um, so I said, let's put a committee together. And instead of creating a, a process that made any sense at all, I just said, you know, raise your hand if you want to be on the committee. And I think the first nine people who raised their hands became the committee along with me. And um, so we had our first meeting was it like a day later, a day and a half yeah, later? It was two days later on Friday. So we went yeah. from Wednesday to Friday. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that was the beginning of all of it. Right. So we had our first meeting and we just kind of looked around the room and said, what are you good at? What are you good at? What are you good at? You know, okay, you're in charge of this. You're in charge of that. You're in charge of this. And um, I won't say that it's gone incredibly smoothly from that standpoint. Like maybe we would have been a little more... Uh, focused on looking for actual talents to match jobs. But I will say that the people, the personalities and the passion and the drive and desire of the people who raised their hands and became that committee has really made the difference. It's just been incredible. It definitely has. And I would say that um, regardless of whether or not what people are doing now today in their, in their role as a committee person matches what their original intent was, um, yeah. every single person has added value to that. Which oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And so one of the funny things that happened is that right after that committee got selected on the zoom call, um, I don't remember if it was the same night, like just after the call or the next day, but I got a text from you at one point saying, Marcel, if, if you would even consider it, I'd like to lead this thing. And I said, great, you're the leader. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm a born leader and I, I definitely stand at the front of the room and, and love to talk people into doing things and to to, um, you know, just feed information and stuff like that. But I'm not necessarily the greatest integrator, I think. And this needed real integration and real management. And, you know, again, from my knowledge of who you were and 
and my feelings of how you did business in the past, you were a great fit to do that. So yeah, right away I said yes. And, and, uh, honestly, I've never looked back, not once. I mean, you've done a, a fantastic job in that role. Well, I appreciate it. And it certainly was, you know, I, I think it was an opportunistic, uh, sort of aligning of the stars, so to speak, since yeah. I, uh, I am recently unemployed. So I have more time than, uh, than certainly you do. And maybe, maybe other people as well. And, right. um, you know, I, I have that background of kind of taking things and growing them. This is absolutely the largest and fastest moving thing that I've ever participated in, especially in a, uh, a managerial or director role of any kind, but yeah. it's been a lot of fun. It's been, um, you know, a big challenge and, um, having you as a, as a, partner in that to help drive this train in the right direction as it uh, goes barreling down the tracks has been uh, incredibly valuable. So appreciate yeah. the opportunity and, well, and what you've brought to the table. Too. I think for sure we, we, we sort of, uh, offset each other really well. I think your skill set matches my skill set very well. And we've actually had a lot of really weird moments, including today, right before the call, I was typing you uh, a message saying, um, we need to talk about X. And you typed me a message and sent it to me saying, hey, would you mind talking about X, the exact same thing? And I was like, that's weird. You know, and we keep having those moments. But I did want to ask you a quick question. So, why did you want to lead this group? Uh, I don't know that I've ever thought about putting that, that question into words. Um, you know, I think it was for me, uh, I saw it as I could add value to the group, which is why I wanted to participate, particularly with my architectural background and some of the contacts that I have there to be able to get access to um, some of the installations and, and icons across the country that might be of benefit to the cause um, and you know, I, I like taking on challenges and I like, uh, like growing. And I think this is a great opportunity for me to do that. So yeah, it's definitely uh, challenging and definitely growing. Yes. And, and time consuming, time consuming, yeah. but it's, uh, yeah. it's going really well. So, yeah. And I mean, some of the other people we have on the, in the, um, the group, the committee, the national group, whatever we call it, we don't even really have a name for it, but originally it was called a committee. So, um, but some of the other people, Cosmo Wilson, who I think everyone listening will know is a, a great guy, a great LD works with Aerosmith and ACDC among others, uh, or worked, nobody works anymore. So it's always a, a past tense and hopefully future tense thing. But, um, so Cosmo has been amazing, not just from a standpoint of just being a great guy to work with on this, but also, you know, he knows so many people and he's reached out and brought a lot of people in and, you know, let's face it, he got us a, a, uh, celebrity endorsement from, uh, from Eddie Munster. So, you know, who can pull that one off? Right. <laughs> you know, but we have Cosmo, we have, uh, Ellen who, I don't know what exactly her title is with live design and with I think it's the uh, creative the director, I believe. Right. But, but um, she's been around the, the trade show LDI and, and the magazine world for as long as I can remember. I've known Ellen, I don't know, 25 plus years, I guess. And I got to be honest, she's probably the person who has surprised me the most in a very, very positive way. Um, Ellen has been amazing. She's just been like worked so hard on this and she's done such a fantastic job pulling a team together and talking with PR people and, you know, just really like taking your crazy ideas and my crazy ideas and somehow getting them published. 
uh, she's been a tremendous asset. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And doing it all from the comfort of the Caribbean. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and getting hit by a hurricane in the middle uh-huh. of it too, which uh-huh. was kind of bizarre. She's like, I'm going to have to call you back because we're about to get hit by a hurricane. I'm like, what? Go clean up, get yourself safe. You know, what are you doing talking to me? But, yep. uh, you know, and Chris Asen has handled all the video stuff. He's done a really good job with that. We've got, uh, we've got Matt Gaminski, who's done a fantastic job working with the New York folks and also just loads of ideas and help and support. And uh, Marcia Stern has done, you know, she was originally just going to handle uh, residential stuff, but she's actually become kind of a communications director of sorts. She loves to talk and she's brought a lot of people into this and, and has handled, uh, you know, some little mini projects and stuff. And, um, you know, I'm missing people, but... Nancy May, she's oh, uh, geez, she's been yeah. coordinating all of our venues and people that are not attached to a regional area. She's uh, kind of taken them under her wing and become a regional for those without a regional, yeah. uh, which is quite a task. So that's been great. Yeah. And then um, Gumper, Gumper working on some pretty big stuff over there in Vegas. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's been a really, really cool team. Again, I mean, maybe if you went out and looked at resumes and, you know, went through an entire screening process and all this stuff, we might not have ended up with the exact same team we had today. But I am, uh, you know, I'm thrilled with the team that we have today. And I'm not sure if I could have picked a different team if, if I'd get rid of anybody on this one. So, you know, we're, we're uh, it's just been great. And so, you know, the next thing that we did was when we, decided on this first call, hey, let's do this thing. Um, you know, first of all, like in your words, what is this thing? What was our, what were we taking on? What were we looking to do? Um, why were we looking to do it? Where did the ideas come from? How would you explain all of that? Sure. I've, I've had a little bit of practice. Um, so <laughs> if you've heard this before, that's, that's why. But uh, the the idea came from piggybacking off the UK event, which, which as you mentioned, was a really successful event. So they lit over 700 buildings. Um, they put a barge down the Thames River and did a kind of VIP thing. They had uh, lots of case pushes and sort of stand-in type events. So it was a really cool event. They got this movement going and got the branding going and, uh, and got the word out. And they created a lot of noise and they got some uh, good press attention. Um, what is unique about what we're doing here, particularly in the U.S. efforts, and we certainly have some uh, solidarity areas joining in with us. We have some Canadian support in this, yeah. and we also even have a team down in Trinidad and Tobago, which is really cool. Um, but what's unique about us is we are targeting a very specific message with what we're doing, and that, that has to do with where we're at in congressional action on a couple of specific things. So the first one is the Restart Act which is a piece of legislation that uh, is specific to PPP funding and EIDL and relief funding for small business. Um, It is not unlike a lot of other acts that are out there, but what makes it unique and important to us as an industry is the runway of cash that it gives us. So the restrictions that are put on those monies and how they're borrowed or, or taken as a grant and when you have to use them and how they're used, those kinds of things are the most conducive to what we as an industry need to, in order to survive, survive until March and make sure that we have some companies and businesses to come back to. And that, that includes venues, that includes production companies, manufacturers, distributors, um, anybody and everybody. And that is not a bill that is unique 
or I should say exclusive to the live events industry. It is about small business as a whole, but the mechanics of it are what we need in order to get through this tough time. Well, and so that's- when, when we were first talking about putting this together and, and uh, I think on the Thursday in between the Zoom call and the first committee meeting, I spoke with Strickland and Michael said to me, I said, hey, look, we're thinking about doing this thing. We're already getting a huge amount of support and we haven't even announced it or anything. And I'm getting phone calls and stuff. Um, but, you know, what do you think? And he said, I love it. I think it's amazing. You got to go forward with it. And we should tie in Restart because Restart, first and foremost, is the greatest sort of catch-all for our industry. It takes care of the most problems, the most people, the most businesses in our industry. And like you said, it's not specific to our industry, but it just happens to be the one that pairs best to our industry. And um, so, you know, that's when we went into that meeting with the idea that, hey, this is what we're going to back. This is going to be our um, sort of, you know, uh, springboard, I guess, or, or our mating call, you know, that we're going out with is, is this Restart Act. And then we came up with the hashtag Red Alert Restart, I think, on that first call. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it's funny, Michael Strickland has been, uh, he's not explicitly part of what we're doing directly because he's got so many other things going on and the wonderful work that he's done for the industry, working with congressional leadership and lobbyists and um, essentially becoming an industry lobbyist on our behalf. But I kind of think of him as our North star that he makes sure that we're pointing everything in the right direction and that we're all working towards something that's going to, going to get us to the end um, so certainly a huge thank you to him and, uh, and a lot of props necessary for yeah. his efforts. Yeah. Um, but what we learned once we got into it was, um, you know, we have our first challenge, which is businesses. So restart addresses that. Uh, but what that doesn't help is the individual side of this. So restart is kind of our top down approach. And then we've added a bottom up approach that addresses the human factor. So, uh, we brought on a partner, extendpua.org and their messaging, um, which has roots in entertainment, but has again expanded much beyond that, is about the extension and expansion of pandemic unemployment assistance and federal pandemic unemployment compensation. Those two things are uh, the the pieces that are used in any bill um, to add the additional $600 a week for people that need it on unemployment and that allow 1099 or independent contractors access to unemployment funding, which they wouldn't get traditionally. So, right. Um, and, and so you said though, that restart doesn't take care of individuals, but it, it does in a sense that I think you just use the words, it's more of a top down approach. So the money goes to the employer, the employer then brings back or hires employees and uses part of that money to pay those employees. So restart does cover payroll, but that's assuming that you're bringing people back to work. Companies, <laughs> companies who take that money are not forced to bring pa- people back to work. So I know, you know, my company and many others like mine, if we were to receive funding from Restart, that would, a, a large percentage of it would go directly to employees. And so in my case, that actually would very much take care of the people, but that doesn't solve all of the people in the industry who still won't be able to go back out on the road and do a tour or do a Broadway show or whatever it is. So. Absolutely. Or people in shops, you know, that, that are prepping gear because there's no gear to prep. So, yeah. um, you know, all those different things. So yeah. uh, putting those two things together, we really get kind of a, a holistic view 
of, uh, of this and are able to help as many people as possible in the industry, which I think is really right. exciting and really important. So we take that as kind of our why we're doing this, right? That's our ask and, and what our goal is. And then we back into the mechanics of how do we, how do we address that and what can we do that make those things happen? So, right. um, you know, again, looking at the UK event, uh, obviously we're going to light as much stuff up as possible uh, but we're also hosting individual uh, happenings, events, demonstrations, whatever you want to call them, in over 50 cities across the U.S. Um, that uh, we're going to get local press and media attention for those. And we have a national PR effort going as well. Um, we're doing a lot of social media stuff and great videos. So we're going to really generate, A, a lot of eyeballs and a lot of interest a day of, but um, what's almost more important is the content and the ammunition that we can take then after the fact to go take that and put it in front of congressional leadership and say, right. look at how big this thing is. Look at the scope of this and how many people it impacts and how much this is important to every single congressional district. Well, and that's an amazing point because in, in all of my and probably your conversations with the folks from the UK who were involved in managing this event and putting this on, <clears throat> some of their challenges, or or I think a lot of their challenges, have been that they haven't managed to get outside of, of the industry, outside of the bubble or the echo chamber called our industry. So within the industry, there was a huge amount of people passing these pictures around and high-fiving and liking images and liking posts, and but it really even though they got on the BBC and on the IEF, whatever the uh, other big network is in England, um, you know, even though they got on these big networks, it just didn't seem to make any difference whatsoever once you got into the government. And so that is where I believe quite firmly, and from what I'm hearing, it's already happening, I believe we will get outside our echo chamber and we'll get not only to the general public, but that we will also get to the desks of Congress people and um, senators and, you know, others uh, that are, you know, paid by the federal government, by us, by our tax dollars to, you know, take care of this situation. And so that's where I think we will succeed, where maybe the UK, uh, you know, I'm seeing like on some of our posts, I've seen some responses from some very good friends of mine from the UK who are saying, I hope you're more successful than we were. And I know what they mean. You know, it, they haven't got the results that they desired. They haven't got the support from the government. And um, they haven't got anything like the restart that's about to impact their industry. So, you know, they're, they're still struggling and they're frustrated. And they keep working and trying to get their attention. Yeah, which is, is the tough thing. You know, kind of the, the statement that I make to people is, um, creating a bunch of noise is great, but if you don't have a goal that you're trying to accomplish, it is just noise. Um, yeah. So not that awareness is a bad thing by any means, and it's necessary to at least start there. Uh, but we got to have a we got to have an end goal, and we got to have some place that we can go and you know be able to measure our success. So so that's kind of how we're doing that. Absolutely, um, absolutely. So you know the mechanics of this thing were. Um, Initially, uh, you know, questioned, I think. So I had people say to me, you know, you need to build a large team that you speak directly to and that is your team that goes out and everyone reports back to you. And I said, no, we basically want to decentralize the management of this entire process. And so we've got our committee 
that is pulling things together at the top level and making sure we've got all the right answers and stuff when people come to us. But we then went out and started to appoint what we call regional directors, right? Yeah, and there are uh, about about 50 regional directors as of this minute. Um, there are more getting added all the time. Uh, and that is a really important thing to this. You know, us on the national committee, we're, we're able to help provide marketing materials and consistent messaging and remove some barriers at the national level um, that might make this easier. But really the real work, the meat of this is being done at the local level through each of the regional directors. And they have a huge task. So what I've essentially... Um, you know, put on, on each one or asked them to do is three things. The first thing is to get as many things lit up as possible and, and shared on social media. The second thing is to organize a local event or demonstration of some kind. And then the third thing is to get the local press attention and media. Those three bullet points sound simple, but to actually do that, particularly given COVID restrictions and all those things, that's a big big ask. Um, you know, right. that's not a simple thing to undertake. So each of those uh, regional directors are building teams underneath them of, um, you know, multiples or tens, dozens of people that are helping to make this thing happen, which has really scaled it from a, a relatively uh, small idea in the beginning to a really massive effort that I would estimate now, I don't even really know, but I, I would guess that we probably have about 5,000 people that are actively participating in making this happen. Which is completely incredible. You know, like I'm hearing a lot of these regional calls have 50 or 60 people on them, you know, and that's just the regional and their, or the, the, you know, one city and their team uh, having 50 or 60 people. And then when you think those 50 or 60 people then have volunteers, they have rental companies, they have, you know, uh, case pushes, they have all kinds of other things that are involved. And I mean, it's incredible. So, you know, you said something to me a few days ago that just just about made me fall off my chair. You said, I guarantee you we're going to have over 10,000 people involved in this thing. And I was like, wow, that is crazy. Yeah, it's a, it's a big number. And, you know, I think that's something that speaks to what is commonly missed about our industry. You know, if we do our jobs right as people behind the scenes, nobody knows that we exist. And that's how it's been for, you know, all of time, essentially. Uh, but this really shows the scope of what it takes to do these kinds of things. Uh, and we got to start waving that flag and, and yelling that message uh, you know, I think maybe in the past, some of that was about keeping the magic and not, not letting people know, you know, what all, what kind of an army it takes to pull off a big show. But, um, you know, now more than ever, we need to raise that awareness and get that word out there. And, yeah. um, it's, it's gotta happen. And, and this is, this is the size of team that it takes to do this kind of thing. And the fact that people are able to, to volunteer and jump in, uh, searing, seemingly limitlessly, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't think I've had anybody come back and say, eh, I don't know about this. It seems a little whatever, or, you know, whatever the, the hesitation is. Almost every single person that, that I talk to is like, yeah, absolutely. How can I help? What do I do? Where do I go? Well, that and also the fact that nobody's getting paid. Nobody yeah. anywhere here. PR people, marketing people, uh, you know, our social media director now is is uh, came to us from Bandit. Um, you know, I mean, nobody anywhere across the board, myself and you included is getting paid in any of this. So, you know, the passion from these people, and I had so many people reach out to me. I remember John Dixon was the first one who called me up and he goes, dude, you have no idea how much fun I'm having. You know, he said, I've been sitting at home for six months. I am loving this. 
And so, you know, just the fact that they get to be creative again and, you know, they get to do what they love to do with some of the people they love to do it with in venues that they miss being in. And, you know, it's it's just been such a cool vibe across the board. But, you know, 10,000 people, though, I mean, I, I think of the average arena and I'm looking at an arena full of people and thinking mm-hmm. those people are all working right now, putting up red lights for for September 1st to, uh, you know, just kind of change the landscape a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, you know, one of the other things that we're working on that I don't think we've really publicized much, but we've come up with something called Red Alert Live, which is a night of, um, and I, I keep kind of comparing it to uh, a New Year's Eve live sort of event where it starts in New York and it ends in Los Angeles. And so we plan to have people on the street with video and with, uh, you know, being interviewed and, and interviewing other people. And, and uh, so you'll start in New York and you'll see some iconic building in New York being lit in red. And you might have a countdown to that building being lit. And we might, you know, interview, I don't know, some government official or a famous person or whatever. And so it's going to be a three or four hour live stream um, that is being done by Christian Jackson, who's done this before and knows his way around a YouTube live event. And um, we're, I'm really excited about that. That I just think that's going to kind of just put a exclamation point on the whole thing. Yeah, I think it's going to be really cool and, and tie the whole thing together, both for, you know, those of us that are putting it on and also from a, from a deliverable standpoint after the fact that we can, again, say, you know, look at how big this is and how many people this impacts. Um, yeah. so, so what can we do with it and how can you help? So this whole thing hasn't gone off without any challenges at all. So one of the first ones that you and I uh, were faced with was um, we had a little bit of a, a date issue and uh, <laughs> one that that we really didn't see coming at all because neither one of us is very political. Um, but all of a sudden I got a call. I was the first one, I think, to hear about it. And I got a call on the weekend. So our first meeting was on Friday. I think I got a call Saturday or Sunday. We hadn't announced it yet because the first PR was going to go out on Monday. And um, I got a call from a friend of mine who said, hey, you know that uh, August 27th, is the last day of the Republican National Convention, right? And I said, no. And he said, yeah, well, it is. And I said, okay. And he goes, Marcel, you know, that's when Trump gets like, you know, his his reelection <laughs> speech and, and, you know, he's the candidate and blah, blah, blah. And, and you're going to go light buildings red, the Republican color. And I go, oh, yeah, that's going to be a bit of a problem. <laughs> a problem, yeah. And yeah. so I just said, well, let's just leave it quiet for now. Maybe nobody will notice. And I mean, within 24 hours, you and I were bombarded with that one. Yeah, that was I I think that's absolutely the biggest challenge that we've had so far was was how to navigate that because we we didn't make the official decision to change it until after we had already sent out the first round of press releases and things in hopes that we could, you know, just steer the messaging in the right way. But, um, you know, for me, at least, I think the the biggest catalyst that drove that tough decision to say, you know, we're going to we're going to unwind a little bit of this uh this rat's nest that we've created to start all of this movement down the road so quickly and, and have to shift to a different day. The, the biggest impact was 
thinking about the potential for, you know, a, a news media outlet to get a hold of this message and spin it and have that attention steer any currently supporting congressmen to uh, to change their opinion of, of support for what we're doing. So um, that at the end of the day was really the driving factor in my mind, at least of, of we, we can't risk going backwards in this. We've only got to go forward. So right. we had to make that tough decision to move it to the first, which I think in the end has been a really beneficial one. I mean, it has. Um, imagine if it were two days from now, how, uh, how oh, yeah. not ready we would be. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, that, but also, I mean, you know, it just, it made people feel a lot better. You know, our mm-hmm, industry, mm-hmm. Uh, let's just say, you know, definitely leans to the left. And so any tie-in to Trump, even if they believed what we were saying, which was sincere, that, you know, there was no political message here. There was no, it wasn't intentional. We weren't tying into the Republican Party. You know, we're not a political organization of any kind. Um, But, you know, they just felt a little weird about it. And it made them feel so much more positive and so much better about the whole it thing. It definitely so, helped the morale. Yeah. We also had several uh, several sort of targets that we wanted to get lit that said that they weren't, weren't going to play if we weren't able to move the date. So uh, it ended up helping us from that standpoint as well. Yeah. So, um, you know, one of the, I mean, we make it sound like that was such a long period of time. And, you know, literally our first press release went out on Monday and I believe we changed the date by Wednesday. And yeah, it might've even been Tuesday, but yeah, it was, it was somewhere end of day, Tuesday, beginning of day, Wednesday is when we officially made that decision. Right. Um, yeah. And uh, I think and by we Wednesday morning, quick. we had another release out saying, by the way, we've changed the date. Yeah. And so, you know, in the end, I mean, while it may seem like, oh, look at these goofballs, they changed their mind and, you know, it took them so long to react. I mean, we reacted pretty darn quickly. We got it changed. Uh, there were some logistics in getting that done. And, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, to any naysayers out there, one of the things I would say is, Every step you take in doing something like this involves a, let me think about that one. And you got to put something together. I mean, even just, um, you know, I remember when you went to set up a Zoom call and you went, damn, I don't have a paid Zoom account. Marcel, can you set up this (laughs) Uh call for me? So we're using a lot of my company resources just because, uh, you know, I have an unlimited uh, uh, Google Drive, for example, so we can store all these videos and pictures and files that are massive. I can't even imagine how much storage we've already used. Um, And, you know, it doesn't cost us anything. So we don't, like, we've been very sensitive about not wanting to have to go raise money for this thing because, um, you know, that would take longer. You'd have to focus someone's efforts on the money raised to go out and get money. And then, you know, you're, you're bowing to someone out there somewhere whether, you know, they've got political intentions or an agenda or something. So I think it's so much better to just keep it grassroots like we did and to, um, you know, stay completely independent. No one owns us. And so it's a it's a pretty cool thing. So but yeah, the date change was a good thing. And, and, you know, so we kind of skirted on politics a little bit here and um, it's come up a number of times. And so one of the reasons, I guess, politics has come up or become a sensitive issue uh, again among our regionals among um, even again some of our targets have said no this thing's too politically uh, uh, divided or whatever it is and um, but I guess 
that's because the Restart Act was written by a Republican? Is that why? Uh, you know, it, I think right now everything in this country is just so politically charged one way or another. And there are, as a general statement, such extreme views in both directions. There aren't nearly as many people in the middle, I feel like, as there are on either end of the spectrum. So um, I think everybody's really afraid of associating with one side or the other or what the messaging might be. And it's, it, you know, it's about optics at the end of the day is, um, you know, what's that going to do to them and their brand or, or their persona. Um, so people are being really careful, which I totally get and respect um, what we're trying to hammer home with all of this. And, and what we keep telling people is this is, this is not about politics. This is about the human element and taking care of people. Um, you know, one thing that was interesting uh, that Michael Strickland mentioned today on his Squawk Box segment, if anybody saw it, was, um, you know, the artists and, and the famous people in this, of course, they have money, most of them at least, and, and they're going to be okay through this. But the rest of us, what people don't know, they, they think we're all rich, and that's obviously not the case, as anybody listening to this would well know. Uh, you know, we, we own businesses or, or do what we do to feed ourselves and our families, not to go, you know, buy yachts and 10 houses. So um, it's, a, it's a very human thing and it's a very down to earth thing that's a real problem and has bipartisan support in what we're asking. So it's not asking one party to go with the direction of another. It's about getting everybody to think about the people and to move forward with that. Unfortunately, it's a political thing in that we need politicians to make it happen, um, but it is not divisive in uh, the mechanics of how that happens. No, I mean, I think of all the things that are going on in the federal government right now, as far as support and and all of these different acts and, and plans and things that they're putting together, this is probably the one that's the least divided. It's got the most bipartisan support. And so, honestly, I didn't see it coming. And, uh, you know, in talking with people now, I, I understand and I realize why uh, people feel like it's it's political. But, you know, you and I are not very political. <laughs> I would tell you that. And, and you know, we're, we're both very sensitive to other people's concerns and thoughts. But, uh, yeah, I mean, fighting, fighting the political, um, you know, push one direction or the other has been difficult. And then also... You know, something that's been interesting is is we've partnered with some really great organizations on this, and you've mentioned uh, a couple of them, and I'll let you talk more about that. But we've also turned away a lot of them, and partly because they are either, either you know, on one or the other side of the political spectrum completely, like far left, far right, um, or because, you know, they're just trying to pull on our coattails and they really have nothing to offer. So we don't want to just become, you know, this giant group of, of um, hashtags or brands that, that are all just saying, hey, help us, help us out, like a big bag of, of asks. We don't want to be that, you know, but there are some that have just been so closely aligned to our mission. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, what we've really focused on and what we're, we've picked as our head message and what we lead with is the things that um, don't at all detract from what we're saying and what we're asking and um, that don't bring any, any potential negatives with them as much as possible. I mean, everybody's always going to have a problem with something, but as much as we can, you know, avoid appearing like we're aligning with a political party or with a particular corporation or what have you. So that's, that's been a tough dance to walk, but 
Um, I'd like to think that we've done a pretty good job thus far. I guess we'll see what the results are once we get through this, but um, if we can, if we've navigated this correctly, then hopefully it will, uh, it'll be a big thing that has a lot of attention and a lot of attraction and it gives us um, the, the content and ammunition that we need to go push this through Congress and make it happen. Yeah. So what, what would you um, take as a win here? So define a win for us. If we are to be successful by next week or two weeks from next week or whatever, what would, what would you say uh, we did everything we set out to do? We, we won. Yeah. So, you know, it's basically looking at our messaging, our asks. So the, the first one is the restart act, either getting that passed or what's probably more likely is that the language from the restart act that's important to what we're doing gets put into a larger bill. Um, so that, that's number one and getting that passed as soon as humanly possible. You know, there are unfortunately a lot of companies out there that they won't survive through, you know, the end of October. Um, some even sooner, unfortunately. So every day that goes by makes that a bigger risk for a lot of folks. So we need to make sure that that happens and it happens quickly. Um, and, and then the other side of it is whatever that bill looks like, because it's most likely going to be a large all-encompassing bill that is another relief effort similar to the, the first one that came out, um, that it, in, it continues to include um, the PUA and FPUC and that it's expanded upon so that there are not some of the limitations that there were in the first one. Um, so I think those are the, the two biggest things that we would consider to be a success. Um, it's make those things happen and make them happen as quickly as possible. Well, and certainly at the end of the day, um, I don't know that we can move the bar on, on just getting people back to work and, and getting shows being done again. Um, but I think getting attention on our industry, like today, one of the things this morning that uh, Michael Strickland said on his interview with, with uh, CNBC was this is actually the first media attention that our industry has gotten, national media attention. It's the first time our industry has gotten national media attention, yet we represent such a large number and um, that's incredible to me. So if we could, for me, an added accomplishment would be to absolutely get more of that, to get more yeah. national media coverage, because as, as Michael always loves to say, the hair salons and, and uh, restaurants and bars are getting a lot of attention and gyms. Um, but, you know, for some reason, we're a larger industry and yet we've gotten nothing. So hopefully that's a start of a lot more to come. I would agree. And I think the irony in that is that uh, it, we, we make the news uh, happen, you know, in some form yeah. or another. We're the support side behind that. So the fact that they can't even talk about what makes them possible is uh, a little bit asinine to me. But um, we definitely need to make an effort to, to do that. So I, I would agree with that. Well, I was, I was actually in a conversation with a... Uh, a New York landmark, let's say, about joining our our push and and changing the color of their landmark to uh, our colors, and um, they basically had this sort of "what's in it for us" response to it, which was like uh, a little bit surprising to me. You know, I'm like, well, this is our industry, blah blah blah. It's, and they're like, yeah, but what about us? You know, we're here in New York and. I said, how about Broadway? Broadway is going to die. Broadway may not return. Theaters, Broadway theaters may not reopen. Broadway actors may get other careers, other jobs. You know, 
Broadway is in real trouble right now. And they kind of went, Oh, I get it. So, mm-hmm. you know, you got to bring it close to home some, sometimes, you know, like, who are you a fan of? I'm a huge Madonna fan. Well, guess what? You know, Madonna's 60 something years old. She's only got so much more time to tour and maybe you want to get her back out on the road soon. So pay attention here. Yeah. So. And that doesn't just apply to New York. That's every single city in the country. Absolutely. You know, enter- entertainment equates to particularly on the corporate side of things, but also on the music and, and live entertainment side, it, it equates to travelers and to hospitality and to, you know, people going to restaurants and all of the things that you do when you go out for a night to go see a show or when you're visiting a city for a trade show or for a corporate meeting or whatever. Yeah. All of those things have a huge economic impact that people don't realize. And, you know, it, it comes down to tax dollars at the end of the day. Cities should be paying attention and supporting this because they're losing tax dollars because we can't do what we do. Yeah. And for, um, what did I read something this morning, a weird statistic that said for every one ticket sold, there are a thousand people. It that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I don't know what what you're referring to there, but I can tell you that the numbers that we have um, sort of identified as being the most accurate that we can recollect is that uh, our industry, the live events industry, encompasses. Uh, over 12 million people. And that's, you know, artists, technicians, vendors, uh, parking attendants, you know, anybody that's attached to here's how you put on an event of some kind. Um, So that's over 12 million people. And we have over $1 trillion in economic impact, trillion with a T. Um, That's huge. That's far larger than the auto industry, the travel industry, anything else. And we bring tertiary benefit to other industries, uh, which is, is where that number comes from. So, um, that's a, it's a major thing to pay attention to that, that people should be listening to more. So that's, that's what we're trying to do. So the last question or, or I guess uh, topic that I'd like to quickly discuss, cause I know we both have to get moving along here cause we've got a thousand WhatsApp messages to answer, <laughs> but, um, what's next. And so you and I had a call with the, uh, the original, uh, we make events people from Europe uh, this week and they're already hitting us on sort of the next stage of all of this. And you are, you and I are both like, Oh my God, let us get through this next week first. (laughs) Will ya? And, um, but you know, there's, there's talk of a much more global, uh, collaboration where, you know, this, we make events, North America group ties in with, we make events from England ties in with, you know, Saudi Arabia and, and Japan and whatever, and whatever, all the different markets globally. And, um, so what do you think about that? Like uh, the whole, what's next topic, is this a one-off thing that ends on September the 1st or do we continue? Well, first of all, I think it's scary because uh, if if the next thing involves as much of a time uh, suck as this thing does, then I might have to get divorced. But uh, <laughs> no, I, I think the what's next is the important question, right? If we just get to September 1st and we say, yeah, we did a really cool thing and then we all, you know, turn away and, and go home, then um, I don't think we're going to get through to our goals, you know, our, our getting media attention and getting congressional movement. Those aren't going to happen if we just say we're done by. So we've got to continue to pay attention. We've got to continue to push at least through the end of the month while this, this happens to reach our immediate goals and then past that it's much bigger than this. I think it's really cool how the UK team has set this up. So 
um, they essentially handed us a branding package and they've done that with a lot of other countries that said, here are all of our assets. Here are the logos. Here's what we did. Here's how we did it. Um, you know, go take this and expand it and, and run with it. Um, and so our structure is very specific with that. We have our organization, which is we make events, and then we have our event, which is Red Alert, and then we have our asks, which is restart and, and extend PUA, um, and those follow in, in conjunction with our hashtags as well. So they're doing that same thing and structuring everything the same way in the other countries that they're sort of activating which enables us at the appropriate time in the future to come back and do a globally uh, continuous branding or, or consistently branded event that is a we make events uh, with every single country represented or as, as many are, are willing and able, um, which could be, you know, the most powerful moment of all of this. And um, if we can't get people to listen with that, then I don't know what else we can possibly do. But yeah. it's going to be a really amazing moment. No, that's incredible. And it's it's also, you know, very exciting. Um, you know, like you, uh, obviously, I can't uh, turn this into my life's mission and full-time job forever. But, um, but I'm really excited to kind of see where it goes and to, you know, I think it's just one of those situations where if we're needed and if there's a mission that needs to be sort of taken on, that I think we're going to continue being a part of it. Cause I think you and I somehow oddly are now attached to this thing. And, um, it's not like it just falls off tomorrow and, and, uh, you know, you forget all about right. the fact that, that, uh, that you had this attached to you yesterday. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. I love the people that we've worked with in Europe on this as well. And, uh, you know, I can't say enough about the, the team of people, and the passion of the people here in North America to get this done and how seriously everyone's taking it and how much effort they're putting into it. It's, it's remarkable. It really, I is. think the, the biggest thing for me and you hit it on it, you hit on it a little bit earlier in the conversation, but um, there are a lot of people who have reached out with really powerful stories. Some of those are in the way of, of people reaching out to volunteer that, that talk about, you know, how they're hurting or, or um, you know, what they're going through, which is just, incredibly um, humbling to hear some of those things and, you know, know that there, this is a real, real problem. It's not, it's not a problem that we just want to make noise about because we can, it's a real problem with real consequences for Absolutely. a lot of people. Um, but then on the other side of that is the people that are, are participating that have said, you know, I haven't felt like I've had a purpose in six months. Yeah. So this has really taken me out of a dark place or, you know, like you said, I, I haven't done anything creative in such a long time that this is the most excited I've been in six months or whatever it is. But um, there's a, a lot of emotions and a lot of uh, sort of heartstrings in this whole thing that I oh, think absolutely. are really cool to well, see. All you need to do is go on Facebook or, or uh, any of the social platforms, but specifically Facebook and just look at how many times <clears throat> these images and videos are being shared and, you know, by the people who are sharing them and, and how many likes they're getting on each of the, you know, we've already had a few of them that have, that have, I wouldn't call it viral, but certainly got many, many thousands of, of likes and views. And that's amazing to me. Like it, it again, it's just our entire industry just saying, Hey, you know, we want to help. And yeah. so that's pretty cool. Did, did we miss anything, Brad? 
Well, I think we would do ourselves a disservice if we didn't put in a call to action to everybody. So if you're listening to this, um, please get involved in any way that you're, you're willing and able to. Um, you can help get stuff lit up and that even include your house, you know, turn your porch light red. Or if you've got Philips Hue bulbs in your lamp, do that. Um, take pictures, share it on social media. We have three hashtags uh, at the moment, which are hashtag we make events, hashtag red alert restart, and hashtag extend PUA. Um, so use those, share those. If you want to get involved with a local team, reach out to us. Our website, we make events.org, has a lot of good information that people can help to understand the story. And there's also a sign up form there. So if you want to go there and reach out, let us know where you're at, how you can help. We can connect you with a local team and get you involved. Um, this is only going to work with numbers. And, uh, you know, I, I think that 10,000 number is not uh, not a stretch at all. And it's going to be a really amazing thing. And we're getting closer to that every single day. That is awesome. And thank you, Brad, for taking the time to do this with me today. And uh, hopefully we continue to grow and succeed and we make it through the next week. And, you know, it's a huge success. Absolutely. Thanks so much for everything you've done, Marcel, and thanks for uh, for doing this. All right, buddy. We'll see ya. Sweet, sweet thing